0: Hi, welcome to Day Message. My name is Dai Qing Yuan, pastor of Abilene Bible Church in Abilene, Texas. D-A-Y, day, is my name initial, and daylight has come since Jesus Christ is the light of the world. We are here to share with you the truth of the Bible History and theology, so that you might have eternal life as well as a wise life here and now. God bless. I want you to see a uh, see a video. Uh, it's uh, my interview. Go ahead. Just give uh, Caroline a hand of claw. <laughs> <clears throat> That's to her, not to me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, today we are uh, studying the issue of uh, eyewitness, uh, how to become an effective witness for the gospel. You know, uh, again, people who have been here, you know this is a part of a bigger series called I Christian, uh, starting from I believe that makes you a Christian, and the rest of things is the biblical guidance of what Christians do, and witnessing for the name of Christ is one of the commended things that we should do. And uh, usually when people s- talk about w- witnessing, you, you, you're going to expect me to start from like Great Commission, you know, those places, familiar passage. I'm going to surprise you a little bit today. I want to start from the last address of Jesus given to his disciples before he, well, went to be crucified. You know, where was that given? It's called the Upper Room Discourse. It's in John, the Gospel of John, chapters 13 to 17. It's a pretty long uh, part of the Bible, or a long section of the Bible, and uh, I took a whole course. I paid thousands of dollars in seminary just for this. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't have time to go through that much detail, but I want to emphasize certain themes, major themes, in the Upper Room Discourse. And I can find them in this short passage. In John 14, 15 to 17, it says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper, that He may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see Him or know Him. But you know Him, because he abides with you and will be in you. Do you see the theme of love here, right? And if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That means obedience. So, obedience, voluntary obedience, not forced, okay? Voluntary obedience is a proof of being in the loving relationship. So, if you love me, you will You will not do things that I don't like, right, if you love me. So that is obey my commandments. And uh, so we have the theme of love and obedience. And also Jesus said when I am gone, you are not left alone as orphans. You are actually taken care of by another helper or another counselor just like me. When he says another, it means some person just like me, just not the same person. Well, that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. In this title, we see two things. Number one, the Holy Spirit is a spirit. That means he is spiritual, he is not material, he's above the world, he is higher than regular beings, right? The world is pretty predictable. Um, evil and hurting. But the Holy Spirit is holy and good, and but he is free also. So ho- he's a spirit. He's transcendental. That is something we, we ought to recognize. Uh, salvation is something that is done by work. It's a spiritual work. It's not by ma- material laws. So something you can calculate and and, and push and, and do. So Holy Spirit is a spirit. And then also the Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. And while the Holy Spirit may be personal and somewhat unpredictable uh, however truth is predictable truth is the 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 eternally um, unchanging thing okay and the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth so we see the themes of love spirit and truth and I think those are actually the three key elements to uh, for becoming a Im- Effective witness for the gospel Number one We have to own the truth I mean not only know it Not only believe it But also understand it And own it It is yours That you live in it And you are able to express it And uh, explain it That's really uh, What owning the truth means You you, you really have to um, Eat it like uh, the like Ezekiel eating the the scroll, you have to eat it. It's partially bitter, partially sweet. Okay, and uh, truth usually is that, uh-huh. and it's you know initially it's bitter but ultimately it's sweet. Um, and uh, uh, Jesus emphasized truth very much. He said uh, in John eight. Thirty-one. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. You know, in my testimony, uh, if you have seen my DVD, you know, and one of the things that shocked me is, is that when I went to a physics conference in the University of Texas, which is not known for being devoutly know, Christian, um, but on their library, in UT Austin's library, is inscribed this line of words For you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And it just shocked my, my soul. And I said, said, Wow, that's powerful. Where can I know the truth? You know, who tells the truth, the ultimate truth? And, well, I went and bought, bought a Bible, 99 cents used Bible you know, in, in their bookstore. And that's the beginning of my spiritual journey in reading the Bible and, and getting the ultimate truth. Truth is very, very fundamentally important for spiritual life. Jesus says to the Jews who believed him, well, this belief actually is a temporary belief. These same Jews later used stones trying to kill him because Jesus said, my father and I are one. <laughs> so, uh, Jesus knew it. So that's why he said, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. So what proves that you are true believer, true disciples, if you continue in the word of God? See, how how do you know God? By hearing his words, right? And he gave us his word both in print and in person, right? In print is the Bible, in person is Jesus Christ. And now, for us, the, the printed word re- reflects the personal word also, because we, we read about Jesus from the Bible. But you have to continue in the word. That means abide in it. You, you stay with it for long term, for lifelong term. If you continue it till the end, that proves you are a true disciple. If you are dabbling in it and then out of it, then that has no proof that you are a true believer. And what uh, continuing the word will benefit us with? Well, you will know the truth. See, the truth. How do you know the truth? What is true? Comparing what with what is false, right? And f- false things are concepts and uh, ideas and statements in your mind and your speech that do not con uh, correspond with reality okay if I say something that has no reality corresponds that corresponds with it then what I said is false okay but if w- what I say really reflects reality then what I said the words are true right so uh, how do do we know the truth? well the tr- the truth, is something that reflects the ultimate reality Jesus said that he is the truth Because he reflects who God is right? So we know the truth By reading the word of God That is from God okay? And then if we read it and we understand it We will know the truth And from this truth that's our understanding of the reality Then we know the, the ultimate reality in person That's God that's how eternal life is God. Okay? The truth make you free. Free from what? Free from sin. From free from bondage. Free from death. Free from alienation. Free from uh, all of the bad things. And that means eternal life. Right? So how do you have eternal life? You must know the truth. And what is the truth that make you know God? The Word of God. Both printed... And the personal. Okay, so Jesus emphasized knowing the truth uh, very much. And if you want to have eternal life, you must know the truth. And Jesus also said uh, to uh, uh, said to him, "Say, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me." Jesus says, "He is the way. He's the only way to heaven. There's no other way." Okay, even the Old Testament sense before His coming. They have to go to heaven by the same faith. They believe in the Redeemer, the Messiah, that God will send. They just don't know who He is yet, but they believe in Him. They believe that God's laws are righteous and God's laws are to be practiced and to be believed. And in the laws, we have just read some part of those laws about those feasts. The person of Christ, the ministry of Christ was hidden in there. It was prophesied. So if you can believe in something before, that thing is made clear to you. The Old Testament did believe. They had faith. Okay? So they are saved. And today, we live in a time after the coming of Christ. So therefore, we need to not only believe in God, believe in the law, we also must believe in the explanation of the law, the spirit of the law that was provided by Christ. And we must believe in Jesus in person. Okay. Without Jesus, you do not know your God. Okay. So Jesus is the only way. He is the truth because he reflects who God is. God is uh, holy, just, and loving, and merciful. And all of those moral attributes, Jesus reflected perfectly. Okay. God's power attributes and existential attributes, uh, Jesus has all of them. He puts them on hold. He did not you know, use them. It's not that he doesn't have them; he just shelved them. Okay? When he became a man, he took on the body of man. You cannot be all present, right? Cannot be both in Jerusalem and in Peking. You know, you cannot. So that's why he shelved his um, power attributes of all presence. Okay? He put it to, uh, aside. He's not using it. And however, he he still owns it. That my that means that he's still divine. Okay? He's fully god and fully man and he is the truth by knowing jesus you know god that's why jesus said if you know me you know the father right if you have seen me you have seen the father and he is the life by knowing him and reading this word of god you know the one who spoke the word who is god and that's when you have a relationship with god that's what means spiritual life okay spiritualized means relationship correct relationship with god so no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Truth is something that we have to own in order to have eternal life, and in order to introduce others to eternal life. And owning the truth means you must know what you believe, okay? and about what do you need to believe to have life, eternal life? You need to know something about God that God is the Creator. He is the eternal being, that without God there is nothing else. Everything else created were were temporal. temporal. They were created in time. But God existed beyond time. And uh, God created created everything, and uh, everything was created by God and for God, because God has a purpose in creation. Besides, knowing this, you have to know the attributes of God. What is God like? What can be used to describe God? The attributes means characteristics. Okay? Uh, adjectives that you use to describe God. That God, I just said, he is holy. That means he is different from the world. And God is just, that he has to punish sin. Well, these things will make you think. If he is holy and just, what about Sinners. Can we be led into heaven without any uh, changes or disciplines or punishment? No, if He's holy and just, He cannot do that. If He allows sinners in heaven without any fundamental changes, what will heaven be like? Be like? It will be hell, right? And you don't want to be there because it'll be the same thing, right? So God has to. Because he's holy and just, he has to do something uh, about sin, right? Otherwise, he is not holy and just. Uh, Well, what's the right thing to do? The wage of sin is death. Death means separation. So God has to separate the holy God with the sinful souls. Well, well, if that is what it ends up with, then where should we all go? Hell, right? But... If he'll go to hell, then can we have a loving relationship with him? We can't. And uh, does, well, then how does God's attributes of love and mercy and grace, how do those reflect? That will not reflect, right? But if he is just love without justice, he will let Sinners all into heaven. That we make heaven to hell. If it's the, the righteous judge, he will send all sinners to hell. Then he was not. He's not a loving father. You see, there is something when you think about the attributes of God. Something that will push you to think there must be something that will reconcile these two sides of God. Right? And here is a need of the cross. See, unless there is Jesus who takes our sin on Himself and the 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 punishment of sin is exercised then God won't be just right but unless there is Jesus who takes our place and by our faith we don't have to go to hell because he took our place and unless there is him then there is no way for God's love and mercy to be shown you see but with him all of this side, the side the, the two sides of God gets reconciled and gets exhibited gloriously See? So thinking, understanding about God, about his attributes is essential for us in understanding the gospel and in expressing the gospel. And also we need to know that God has a plan. Doesn't God? What is God's eternal plan? In the eternity past, there is a family. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And the family had a plan to find a worthy wife for the son. The wife is the church, the believing humans. And uh, to for that to happen, God must create something that can understand love. Therefore, God did not create robots. You can love robots, can you? Yeah, you can love it. You can hug it. You can sleep with it. You know, it doesn't matter. But it won't love back to you. Right? Uh so all God wants is a relationship. So that's why He did not make us robots. He make As beings with free wills. Free means we can accept his love or we can reject his love. And when God made that decision, he knew that there is a risk that he may be rejected. But it is this possibility, this open of his arms, of his heart, that he might be hurt that caused the possibility of genuine loving relationship. If you never open your heart, if you just clam up You will never experience love See a lot of people today They, they, they have been hurt Somewhat by people And therefore they clam up And they, they're never going to open up And if you don't open up Yeah you, you, don't be, you don't get hurt But guess what You also never get love okay. And God is the one who opened first To us He knew that we could reject him and he knew that he would suffer because of that rejection. Did God suffer because of man's rejection? Yes. We maligned his name. We doubted his goodness, his character. And uh, we um, uh, did everything that's against his um, his um, standard of righteousness. And uh, we even killed his son. Okay. Yes, he has a part in that, but we all had a part in it. So, yes, God did suffer. And today, many people still saying, God doesn't even exist. It's like you tell your father, I don't need you to exist. I can evolve from rocks. <laughs> well, think about what your father would do to you. you know? Slap your face and kick you out of the door and sign you, you know, out of your inheritance. But our Heavenly Father is not like that. He knew this is going to happen, but he allowed it to happen, but he had a greater plan. Through this thing, he is going to bring man ultimately to a genuine relationship. So you know God, know about his attributes, know about his plan. Okay, That enables you to be able to give the gospel. You need to know about God. You also need to know about man. What is man? We are made with dual natures. We have... We are made of dust, but we are breathed with God's spirit, and so we always have this contradiction in us. On the one side, we are very worldly; we are very material; we are animalistic. You know, the animals—they eat and drink, and they poop and die, and uh, and and they mate and they propagate, but um, they don't have a sense of history. See, we are like him in all of those senses. Yes, we do all of those things, but we do more than that. See, animals, they, everything is now, everything is sensual, and uh, everything is, you know, even dogs. Okay, dogs love you because he thinks you are the alpha wolf. Okay, it's about the position in the pack, it's by instinct, it's really not because of a, 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 a soul. of of loving relationship. I I hope that that doesn't, you know, make you love your dog less. I mean, they are, they are lovely, but uh, you got to realize animals are animals. They have a limit, okay, in their mind, heart, and, and the will and such. They have a little bit of those, but not fully. Humans, we have something that is beyond that. We have a sense of history, and we have a search of eternity, you know, the Bible said God put eternity in man's heart. That we always ask the question. Well not always. All of us have at least for some moment asked the question about why am I here? Where am I going? Okay. Unless you have that question answered with satisfaction, you will not have real peace. That's just man. We are just different. Okay. We have this animalistic worldly sense, but we have a... Divine and honorable and the holy side, and that's the one that is worth something. Okay, that's the one that God used His Son's life to pay to redeem. That means we are worth infinitely to God. But that's the spiritual part, that's the soul. Our body well, what is us? I mean, if you think we are nothing but material, you got changed every seven years, every element. In you get changed, okay. Everything except in your nerve system gets changed. I think is from my reading. Every seven years, all the atoms are different. So you keep on eating, right? Where do they go? Some go get away. Some stay. What? What do they? You know, what do those things that stay do? They replace the existing ones. <laughs> so, uh, if you think you're just a shell, the shell gets changed all the time. Yeah, so you must have something inside, and the inside, the one, the the personal uh, soul, is the one that was created as a children in the household of God. But that's not where we end up with. That's where we begin. We will end up as sons if we follow God's plan. Okay, if we believed in Jesus the eternal son who came and saved us and then we are redeemed and we join the church and church is called the bride of Christ and then we will become the royal princess as the church marries Christ in his second coming. So that's how close relationship God and man can become. It's like spouses to each other. Good marriages. Okay, And it's it's uh, very personal and very close and uh, uh, it, that's what God's designed and let us not let God's plan um you know fail on us so we have to know about man and then we have to know about sin sin causes deception so man start to doubt God and sin causes alienation and man and God are separated and then man and man are separated and and then we just start to have man and nature are in at war and so everything just uh, uh um collapses starting from sin and uh, it brings to destruction personally, physically, now and eternally causes not only physical but um, eternal death and uh, we need to know about Christ that he is the redemption, he is the replacement for us that what he experienced, the death uh, and, uh, and the punishment for sin is something that we should have had ourselves but we do not have to because we believe in him. And uh, we need to know that uh, that uh, this re- redemption can only be received by faith and by faith alone because it's a gift. And the gift, if you receive it by faith, you feel you owe the person who gave you a gift, a relationship. You owe something to him and you will try to be good to him. Okay, But if you try to use any work, No matter how small it is, as small as the ritual of baptism, if you want to use any works as the standard for for salvation, then you have paid a price for the gift. You have changed the gift into a merchandise. And guess what? Once it becomes a merchandise, then you and the giver, now who who is nothing but a dealer, you have no connection, no emotional attachment at all. There's no more relationship. Okay, it becomes just a deal. That becomes paganism. Pagans, okay, they fear their god, but uh, because they, their gods are are arbitrary, they don't know what they're gonna do. And they are pious, and they 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 give a lot of gifts to their god, even sometimes their own sons. However, uh, they uh, they do that because they are making deals. they. they, they Give something so I can receive something. And do they have a really a relationship? No, okay, but that's not God's plan for us. And we need to know about Holy Spirit that He is the one who does regeneration and sanctification. We talk more about this later. We need to know about hope that uh, to believe now and to be saved now is not the end, there is a second coming, there's a resurrection, and there's an eternal life. We need to know about love that the loving. God with all our person and loving others as ourselves, it really means you have an eternal relationship with God and you have a proof of that relationship. And about wisdom, wisdom, uh, that it's an application of all the above to your present life, okay? That includes obedience. And that includes the spiritual life. So these are things that you should know. Know what you believe. And not only know what you believe, you also need to know why you believe. And that makes you be able to explain your faith. And these days, the biggest issue are, number one, creation versus evolution. You have to be able to make the, the explanation, ask the question, you know, where did order come from? Can creation come from nothing you know that there is a second law of thermodynamics, right, which it means entropy, that's the uh, measure of disorder, only increases with time. Entropy always increases, that means order always decreases, right? Or to you, I guess I should say this. Entropy increases and order decreases, right? So you have to flip. <laughs> and uh, uh, if that's so, and we know that's uncontra- uh, incontradictable, it, it's just there's, uh, it's been proven, and if that's so, then the present order it doesn't, it cannot come by itself because order doesn't increase, right? It has to be from somebody who created it. Well, where does the initial order come from? So unless you you believe there is a God who is an eternal being who doesn't need creation, and this internal, eternal God is full of order and full of wisdom, and He created an orderly world. Otherwise, you cannot explain our origin of the world. And uh, you have to think about Christianity versus philosophies. You know, there are many philosophies that people try to use to replace Christianity. Christianity is in one sense it's not philosophy in another sense it is. You know, if you think of philosophy as people trying to use reason and experience to explain everything, then Christianity is not. However, if you're open to faith, to presuppositions, uh, then Christianity is. Well, in reality, all philosophy has presuppositions. You know, when you reason, you have a first premise which is a big set, and you have the second premise which is a smaller set. And when the smaller set is in the bigger set, then they have the same attributes. And that's how you reach the conclusion. You see that um, the 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 first the big set the pre first premise is usually a belief. Okay, when I say. All Chinese have black hairs. That's a big thing. OK? How do we know that? Well, we've we, we seen enough Chinese people we think that's the case. But uh, I am a Chinese person, therefore I have black hair. That's my conclusion. But all of these is my reasoning. But what does that depend on? It depends on the truthfulness of my big premise, the first premise. right? Actually, some Chinese people are not black-haired. Some Turkish you know Chinese people in. Let's call it Eastern Turkestan or Xinjiang They are look different So uh, no philosophy can be without uh, Presupposition okay. So in that sense Christianity and philosophy have some similarity And when you deal with philosophies You always try to find their inconsistencies Because all of them If they are Inconsistent with Christianity They have inconsistency you know, uh, When some people say there is no truth What do you deal with him? What do you ask him? What you just said, is that truth? Right? If that is truth, then there is already some truth. Right? Well, if that is not truth, that means there is some truth. So, in any way, there must be some truth. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, when people say, I am a total empiricist, I am a, uh, unless something that is proven by lab. Uh, experiment I'm not believing it. Sounds very rational. Usually they speak with a British accent, you know. <laughs> and uh, but what you need to do is you ask them uh, you know you, you use their theory on themselves. You always do that. It says what you just said, has that been proven by labs? <laughs> if it has not, why do you believe it? Okay? If it has, show me. So you, you, when you deal with philosophies okay, beyond Christianity, uh, inconsistent with Christianity, you always find their consistency. You can always find one. Okay? And how about Christianity versus religions? When you deal with religions, religions always have big assumptions. You know, like in, in Buddhism, they assume that they, they believe there are 33 heavens, and they say your God lives only on the third heaven. Your God is small. Our Buddha is big. Well, uh, your way of dealing with religion is always questioning. How do you know? Okay. Have you been to the 33rd heaven? You know, uh, if you haven't, and then how? How do you know? Who told you? You have any proof of that is true? Now, how about ours? Well, we know that Jesus said he's from heaven, and even Paul said he was taken over to the third heaven. So, we, at least we have some proofs, and the ultimate proof for our believe is that Jesus is not dead Jesus is alive the the tomb is empty you see the, all other religions their founders are dead but our founder is alive you see you have to be able to to be to be able to deal with these questions you know other religions you know what's the difference and uh, what do they believe and what is the questions and uh, how about the problem of suffering that is a deep problem and it's worthy of thinking and even for For Christians, okay, even if you believe it, you still need to think about it. That has to go back to the issue of the purpose of creation. If God created everything for love, and He has to create free will, to have a free will, you must allow sin. To allow sin, you must allow evil. To allow evil, you must allow suffering. So all of these are for the purpose of love. And God thinks it is worth it, suffering is worth it for love. And uh, and uh, all of those sufferings are temporary, and suffering is used to give us a contrast between good and evil to draw the elect to God. And once the number is filled, all of the sufferings will go away. So that's how we answer the questions. And you have to understand the, the, the purpose of creation and God's whole plan in order to and to, to answer that. And uh, there are other things. What is the standard of righteousness? How do you define sin? You know, you have to go to the Ten Commandments, and you start from the last one. Do you ever covet? Have you ever thought that other, other people's things it should be yours? People are yours say, Uh, yeah, honestly, yeah. Yeah. Once you start that, and then you say, well, the, the book of James said if you have violated one law, you have violated them all. Oh, Okay, now that I guess I'm the sinner. So, then you go up. You know, have you ever lied? Yeah. Well, what about good lies? Still a lie, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, what <laughs> uh have you ever um stolen anything? Have you ever taken other people's things, you know? Have you ever used your company's computer to copy things? I mean, uh your company's printer to copy things that are not related to your work? Um, well, yeah. Okay. Have you ever had lusted? Uh, If you ask men, they always say yes. And have you ever hated people? If you ask women, they always say yes. (laughs) (laughs) And, And you go up. You start from small, you go up. You can always convince people, yeah, we are all sinners. By God's standard, we are sinners. And therefore, we cannot be with him. Unless we get fundamentally changed and the sin gets punished, and uh, we, we are given a new nature and a new body, and that opens the door. And uh, the, what's the way of salvation? Why faith alone? Well, that's a relationship versus mer- merchandise, right? And uh, what, why election? Well, the Bible ch- said very clearly, we are th- those who believe because we are chosen by God. Well, don't we need to make a decision? Yeah, that's because it's a relationship. It's a two way. God initiates it, but we have to respond by making a decision. You have to say, I do, before you're married. Okay? Even though, you know, the man is supposed to be the one who proposed. I don't know about these days, but uh, uh, it used to be the way. Okay? Um, I still think it's the right way, though. uh, Because biblically it is. Uh, It's how Christ did it. And, uh, law versus grace once you believed can you just sin you know at your w- at your will no actually the law and grace are not totally contradictory to each other the law itself is graceful and there is a new law in grace the new law is that you love god and you love others and when you love them you don't do things that they don't like therefore you obey so uh, there uh, these things you need to be able to answer. Uh, and There are some c- current issues like truth versus tolerance. Are there any absolute truth today? People are so afraid of being called a bigot, and they are afraid to say that I believe something that's absolutely true, because they are afraid that I have to condemn you as not true. However, you know, that's actually the essence of tolerance. I am true, and you are wrong, I'm, and you are false, I'm right, you're wrong, but I tolerate you. See, that's the essence of tolerance. If, I'm, if you're right, I'm right, and you're right too, I don't tolerate you. I agree with you, right? See, that's the difference. And uh, other things that are important today are success versus the cross. Do we come to Christ because the things that he promised, the blessings that, that comes with faith, or we come to Christ just because of his love? Yeah. Uh, what is the wide way to hell, and what is the narrow way to heaven? These things are why, why we believe, and uh, we need to be filled with this truth that in order to be able to be witness, to, to be a good witness. So, truth is the first element. Now we've occupied most of the time. The second element is about spirit. We have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We know that salvation is something done by God, not by us. We are just nothing but conveyors of truth and e- examples, the windows to the life of Christ. Okay? People read God. People who don't read the Bible read their first page of the Bible from our lives. And, uh, and we just conveyors. And once we just reach out to people, open up our lives, and uh, we have to let the Holy Spirit do the work. So to do that, we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit, cleanse our our sins and ask us to be filled. The Holy Spirit gives us truth and understanding, and the Holy Spirit uh, keeps us holy and credible. If we live in a dirty and sinful life, we cannot have the courage of ever talking about uh, Christ, because we will be inconsistent, right? We we have to uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit then to be credible to others. And um, is the Holy Spirit who sanctifies us in truth and by his word, because his word is truth. The Holy Spirit does the pre-evangelism. He is the one that gives us the senses of meaninglessness of life without God and the sense of the existence of God, spirit, and eternal life. You know, in my testimony, if you read it, part of it is uh, after my mother's death. I was 24 years old. I had a rather smooth life before then, and suddenly I had to grow up because I found out I'm not only a receiver now I have to be a giver. I have to comfort others. I have to arrange things. I have to become a man not a boy anymore. And that made me think just say where did she go? You know? I just saw a, a movie uh, called Temple Grandin. Have you any of you, have you seen it? It's very good. It's about a real person. Temple Grandin is a uh, um person who had uh, autism born in the in the 50s or 60s, I think. She she is a little bit older than me. She, uh, um, she well, because her family refused to give her up. She grew up and went to college and became an, uh, a PhD in animal husbandry. And half of the nation's uh, slaughterhouse are designed by her, how to treat the animals humanely. So she is quite a, you know interesting person. But when she was a young person, she saw a, an animal put to death, and she, her question is, where did he go? You will say, well, he's he just dead. No, you know, a while ago he's alive, it's a, it, but now it's just a pack of meat. Where did he go? You see? And later he, she asked the same thing about people, and that actually led her to, to know God. You see, these senses of the meaninglessness of life and there must be something beyond material being, those senses are provided by the Holy Spirit. And we can't do that. We uh, just get prepared and witness but it's the Holy Spirit who gets the person's heart ready. He does the pre-evangelism. He does the evangelism because the conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment is from the Holy Spirit. And he does the post-evangelism. He's the one that sanctifies people while the Father and Son preserves people. And so uh, it, it is important for us to not only have the truth but also have the Spirit. Now, how to be filled with the Holy Spirit? You need to believe that is the will of God for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is in Ephesians 5.18. Do not be drunk with wine, for that's a dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. That is a command. Okay. So, it is is it a will of God for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes. And if you believe that, then you have to believe also that God promised that if you ask in His will, He will answer accordingly. So, the promise is here, First John 5, 14. This is the confidence which we have before Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. So, we, if we believe, if we have faith in both places, in the Word of God, that it is the will of God for us to have the Holy Spirit fill us, and if we ask in the will of God, He will answer it, then once we cleanse our heart, confess our sins, then we ask God to fill us with the Holy Spirit, then he will. Okay? And you have to believe so and then act accordingly. What do you act? Well, you be prepared and actively seek opportunities, like putting tracts in the letters, like, you know, just give people, say, you know, give you a book to read and something. And always pray first. Remember, that is God's work, right? And when we have Bible studies for the international students, we always pray for them before they come. Okay? And I know some people who do that, they will lay hands on each chair say, God, you visit the person who sits in this chair. And I think the form may differ, but it's the heart that counts. And, uh, um, and then we need to focus on saving souls and uh, not uh, just success in life here. We need to leave the result to God. Don't let numbers uh, baffle you or... Discourage you. Okay, so that is how we do once we are filled with the Holy Spirit, and it is not that we chose God, but God chose us to do what—to be a witness. And the, the third element is we have to be overflowing with love. You see the three themes, themes in the upper uh, room discourse: truth, spirit, and love. Love is the sign of discipleship. Jesus said, if you love one another, people will know you're my disciples. Love is the basis of unity. Uh, If we love God and uh, love others, that's why we are one. And love is the reason of salvation. God loved the world. That's why he gave us his only begotten son. And love is the reason of obedience. Because God loves us, we unite with Christ, we will unite with the Father, and we will obey. So all of these are uh, really the door opener for evangelism. When you have love, you opens people's heart. I just, you know, last night I picked up a old magazine, for a, a testimony from a Chinese student. Um, it's very similar to me, to mine. And the first is that once a person comes to America, he feels that, you know, the people in the church loves him or her uh, without reason and he's baffled. And it's the love that causes the person to think. Why? Okay? And it's the love opens the possibility of int- introducing him or her to a Bible study. And once you go to Bible study, that's the time for truth. People will argue, what about suffering? What about fairness? Suddenly people care about the, the Africans uh, who never heard about the gospel. <laughs> and so, but those are the opportunities uh, when you seek. And as long as you know, those arguments do not end up in fist fight, you, know, you, you treat them with, with great food. So that won't end there. And then that will open door. To the issue of truth Love opens door for the truth And then you can let the spirit work In people And recently I also read from uh, um, Tommy Nelson uh, My former pastor He said something if I, were, if I was the devil And I would do these things uh, Number one I will put you in error That is removing the truth from you Number two If I cannot do that I will make you sin I will make you morally corrupt Therefore, you cannot, you do not dare to testify for the gospel uh, because your life is a mess. It removes your credibility. And uh, if that, he cannot do that, he says, I will make you successful. I will make you focus on the business, on the the good life now, and lose your focus on souls. And if I cannot do that, I will divide you, I will make you, you know, uh, bigger for little things and lose unity. And if I cannot do that I will discourage you and let you feel how oh, my own my work I have no result and then, and if I cannot do that then I just have to kill you. See that was I think that was a divinely inspired say because the sequence of that really is the contrast of what God wants us to have. The devil wants to remove truth, credibility, the focus on souls, unity and courage from us but That's exactly opposite of what God wants us to have. We need to own the truth. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we need to be overflowing with love. When we do that, we will become effective witnesses for the gospel. Okay, let me pray. Dear God, our Father, we thank you for giving us your word both personally and in print. And today, as we review the major theme of Jesus' last address to his disciples in the Upper Room Discourse, thank you for reminding us that we need to be owners of truth. We need to be filled with Holy Spirit, and we need to be overflowing with love. And only when we do that can we fulfill the mission that you left us here for, that is to be effective witnesses for the name of Jesus and for your name and uh, for your kingdom. And it's for Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank Thanks for listening. Please visit us at dayministry.com or abilenebible.org for more teachings in audio or visual forms, as well as other study materials. Don't forget to check us at youtube.com. Slash Abilene Bible Church for our T V series. God bless you. Swan incompleteness where his feet pass. Mine is the song. Recreation.